You can see my award-winning climate comedy show spoilers at a festival near you, provided you live near or are going to McHuncliffe or Wells Comedy Festivals. More dates added soon near you, conceivably, who knows what might happen. And if you are at Mac, come and see ComCom Redacted live at 4pm on the Saturday. Go to stuartgoldsmith.com and click the very attractive banner image to find out more. This is a podcast from comedianscomedian.com. This is the Comedian's Comedian Podcast. Hello and welcome to the show. I'm Stuart Goldsmith and eagle-eared listeners will have noticed already that my voice is wrecked. They'll have looked at the calendar and they'll have thought, oh, Stu's been to Glastonbury. And yes, I have. Uh, I saw almost no music, uh, as is my <laughs> uh, as is my taste. I spent most of my time in the theatre and circus uh, areas watching uh, some brilliant comics. I did I compare the cabaret tent on Sunday for Alex Edelman. Tiff Stevenson, Alistair Barry all did very, very well, and I, I'm looking forward to welcoming them all to the show at some point. Um, and also, you know, my tastes are sort of uh, lean towards the esoteric. I also very much enjoyed The Wheel of Fortunes, which is uh, five or six or maybe three uh, guys dressed as the Red Power Ranger, spinning a wheel and DJing and uh, doing stupid, stupid stuff. They're kind of like the um, the DJ equivalent of Goldie Looking Chain. They were great fun. And my all-time favourites, one of the funniest acts at Glastonbury, the brilliant Bramble FM. Uh, radio so local you can smell it which is there's no point me describing it but uh, uh, if you've seen them you'll know who I mean and if you haven't then those are the people you should be rating to get Glastonbury tickets for uh, and not uh, jumped up rappers so (laughs) much as I enjoyed his first song so uh, uh, right now to business right I'm I'm, I'm thinking I'm looking wistfully in the distance now remembering what a lovely festival I've had to business and my god there's a lot of business coming up in the next few weeks I'm going to be interviewing Justin Morehouse Matt Kirshen Deliso Chaponda Um, if you listen to this before that one comes out um, if you're listening to this any time in the first week of July you can still get tickets for my live podcast with Deliso Chaponda at the Darlington Comedy Festival so have a Google of that Um, I'm also uh, who have we got I'm trying to get Mulaney, loads and loads of you are, are emailing me going, Stu, Mulaney's in Soho, get Mulaney. I'm doing my very best. We'll, we'll have to see how that works out. Um, also, I mean, God, they're coming out of my ears. I've, oh, there's, oh, there's two biggies that aren't 100% confirmed, so I won't tell you those. Uh, and I'm very lucky to have uh, recently booked a couple of extras for, um, who did I get in for? For Edinburgh, I've got someone great on board for Edinburgh. I wrote them down. Oh, for heaven's sake. Sorry, this is... Um, this is unprofessional. This is very much the sort of thing I should already have sorted out. Who was it? I'm excited about it. I made a, a little note. It is Will Durst. Oh, my God. We've got Will Durst for the podcast. Go- have a Google of Will Durst. He's been around forever. Like, he influenced Bill Hicks. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. sorry to have uh, momentarily forgotten that. So, remember, the Edinburgh lineup currently is Catherine Ryan... Um, Secret Biggie, Secret Biggie, uh, Will Durst, Stuart Francis, Secret Biggie, question mark, Ashling B, Daniel Sloss, Jason Byrne, Joel Domit, Mark Steele, just got Mark Steele confirmed as well, Ronnie Cheng, and then the uh, the all-important uh, question, five question marks on the final show uh, for someone that I'll decide when I'm up there. So uh, those are all the Edinburgh things. You can go to edfringe.com and search for Comedians Comedian Podcast. Come and see me up there. This is the longest intro I've done, and you'd be right to think, get the fuck on with it. And I will do that now, because today we have, live from Durham University, not from the university itself, but it was organised by uh, by Oscar, Oscar Karonka at the university, thanks to him. Um, we've got Gav Webster. He is one of the most... I, I won't do a big introduction, but listen, Gav is one of the 
the most frequently requested guest from this podcast. I've had so many emails, get Gav on the show, and you're about to find out why. He won the, uh, the Comedian's Comedian Award, nothing to do with me, um, but uh, a brilliant uh, award kind of created not by the industry, in inverted commas, but by actual comedians, not in inverted commas, um, where comics vote for their favourite circuit comic each year. And he was, I think, the first or maybe the second winner of that award. Um, and very much deserved it was too. This was recorded live at The Empty Shop on Framwell Gate Bridge, which is a great little kind of artistic cafe place. Hello to the guys that run that. They were lovely guys. Um, this, this is Gav Webster. Let's get stuck in. Here's Gav. Thank you very much for coming on the show, Gavin. Let's start with the, uh, the award that you were nominated for and won. Was that the first year of the awards? That was the second, second year. Second. Yeah. And whose idea was it? Was it, did it? Did John Maloney start it? It was John Maloney who had the idea and he started it off, yeah. Okay. Yeah. And so it was voted on by something like 180 professional Something comics. like that, yeah. And you won because yeah. they all voted that you were there for... It's sort of like an unsung hero of comedy. Yeah, I don't, know how, I don't know which way it played out. I don't know what the percentage was, but uh, I think people got a choice of two or something like that. Or you got a choice of five or something, so... It was um, like the, the Finnish system. Oh, I, don't, I don't know what it was. It was a sort of form of democracy, I don't know. But it was um, a um, choice of five. So um, I don't know exactly how the results panned out. But uh, yeah, but you won. Finished top, yeah. <laughs> I don't know how the results panned out, but I finished top. What did it mean, what did it mean to you? Brilliant. Yeah, definitely. Great. <laughs> no, but, I mean, yeah, of course it was. It was, fa- it was fantastic. Okay, and did you did you anticipate that you were someone? I mean, your place within the comedy community is such that you're one of those acts. Like you're a very frequently requested guest on this show, and I think you're recognised by a lot of comics. You're heralded by a lot of comics as a comedy inverted commas genius. Like people really like your stuff. Well, I don't know. They may just be paying lip service. I, I don't know. You, you don't know, do you? You, you, you don't know people. People always say nice things to you, whatever you do, and, and you don't know whether they're just seeing it or not. Um, you know, I don't, I, I don't know. I, I, it's, it's nice to be popular, but you don't, you, you don't know how popular you are until you maybe get an award or something. And you, you uh, well, not an award as such, a recognition from your peers, I suppose. Yeah, it's arguably the most... It's arguably the best award a comic can win, I'd have thought. People said that, and I, I, I think I agree with them, yeah. But you don't get a house out of it, do you? <laughs> <laughs> so tell us, whereabouts are you at the moment? You're going to Edinburgh this year? Yes, I am, yeah. And what's this show called? The show this year is called um, The Sexist Sexist. <laughs> <laughs> you have got a bit of a habit of provocative show titles. Yeah, well, this one's in keeping with the award because it was the comedian's comedian. So this year I'm going to have, like, going to give myself some unwanted awards that I didn't want. <laughs> OK, previous show titles have include, uh, included All Young People Are Cunts. That's right. Uh, <laughs> Bill Hicks wasn't very good. Yeah, yeah. Don't give right. money to Comic Relief. Which, which was your first one? And, and Other Opinions. And one. Other Opinions. Don't, don't give any money to Comic Relief and Other Opinions, yeah. Which was the first provocative, uh, like, deliberately provocative? Because, honestly, they're the titles that make me laugh out loud. Every year when I open the Fringe Guide, one of the things is, what's Gav called his show? <laughs> the, the first provocative one was All Young People Are Cunts. <laughs> Back in 20... And what, what motivated that? There must have been people saying to you at the time, oh, I mean, that's funny, Gav, but you're not really going to call your show that. 
Well, the, the, I had a song called that and I, I recorded it and it never really worked live, you know, because uh, I thought it was a funny, it'd be a funny title of a song. Um, but I thought it would be in keeping with a bit of anger about the the um, about how shallow a, a lot of young people are. And while it was on, there was the riots in London. And a lot of comics, and they'll remain nameless, said, oh, it must have been brilliant when you did that show because the riots, it coincided with the riots in London, with all these young people... Uh, looting shops and things and you could have just walked on stage and went there you are but it's the actual opposite of that I was bemoaning the fact that young people had no spark in them and I thought this was quite good that they were having riots in London <laughs> if, you, if you know what I mean yeah you know, you know, you, do you know what yeah, I mean yeah yeah so you, the people were actually doing something as yeah. opposed to being passive that's, that's what I thought and um, if there's any complaint I would have about young people why I did the show. And there's a lot of young people here today, and I'm sure you'll probably agree, actually, is a lot of young people have got no edge about them at all, and they're very keen to get a credit card at the age of 18 and, and get a mortgage. And, and I'm not saying that people didn't do that before, but it's, it was trying to, have a, trying to put the cat amongst the pigeons with a writing and have a provocative title to boot and um, try and challenge people, which is... Uh, what I think you should do in Edinburgh, to be honest. When you're thinking about challenging people, how much... Like, when you're writing a show, how much of it... And not just a show. When you're writing... Let's go back right back to material in general. It seems to me that a lot of your material is kind of based in... Uh, I don't know. For me, you're, you're a conundrum because you've got, you've got the, the persona that you do in your uh, comedy when I see you doing 20s... You've yeah. got, you know, it's just jokes, it's wahai, it's mm-hmm, kind of mm-hmm. like, um, it's kind of like, a, well, how would you describe it? It's a sort of like a barroom kind of, or like a, a music hall kind of Music comic. hall, yeah, very It is, it's like a kind of a... Crash bang wallop music hall, yeah. Absolutely, so you're yeah. opening by going, these, these are, I'm so tempted to try and do your accent, by the way. But, you know, you're going, these are, these are just jokes. Oh, I wrote that one myself, yeah. you know, you're doing little kind of, um, yeah. kind of music hall-esque banter with yourself. Yeah. But, you know, you, you're slightly sending it up, you know. Yeah. I, I think intelligent people know that, yeah, you can... It's a favourite phrase of critics, and it see things on two levels. If, like, some people know that you're taking the mickey out of that music hall style, but then other people see it as just good jokes, you know. That, like, if you look at the old music hall acts from many, many a long year ago, some of them pre-war, but definitely a lot of them post-war, the... the some people would say they were surreal, but that was before the word surreal was in vogue. Yeah. It was just good jokes, you know. And what I suppose what I'm getting at is there seems to be, there's an interesting dynamic there between the kind of friendly, daft jokes approach and your actual anger and your wish to engage with actual real things in the world. Yeah, well, it's good to have the two working on the two different levels at the same time. It becomes less one-dimensional, I think, doesn't it? Yeah. So prior to seeing your show titles in Edinburgh and prior to kind of recognising that provocative element in you, like in in preparing for this interview, Mm -hmm. and you've been recommended loads, I've seen you be brilliant in clubs loads, I've worked with you in London here and there. Mm -hmm. Um, I suppose I didn't realise that there was so much kind of passion in what you do, besides the passion for being daft. Well, um... It's 
still like to make people laugh. That's the that's the the, the underlying uh, trend. Still want to make people think it's funny, but um, I think if you can uh, you can have polemical points, but still be doing it throughout the humour all the way through, rather than I don't like that kind of comedy where people get a bit self righteous and. There are comedians that would say, well, I'm going to say something now. You're not going to like it. The women aren't going to like it. And I'll tell you what, some Christians are going to get upset by this. And I'll tell you something, I'm going to say something and not everybody's going to get it. And you think, just say it. <laughs> just say what you've got to say. You know what I mean? Like, it's almost like they're apologising for what they're going to say. It's, it's a bit of a repressed, maybe a, an English thing or a middle-class thing or, 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 or it might just be a, you know, um, uh, a kind of a suppressed and repressed, which is a sort of similar thing, isn't it? In a way, like you, you, mm. you, you've whatever way you, you keep a lid on it, you know, and or you you haven't to put barriers around it. You haven't to explain why you're going to behave in a certain way, but you should just do it. You, there's nothing wrong with being a bit schizophrenic in in your in your style or your act. So let's talk about how you brought yourself to comedy in the first place. What were you like when you were a young person? Were you <laughs> desperate to ask, Were you a cunt? <laughs> were you passive as a young person? Um, yeah, I was quite um, quite quiet, relatively speaking. Um, I had a lot of the had a lot of the the, the outgoing character sort of uh, knocked out of us. Not not physically, just by virtue of where you're from and the the background the school you go to and the area you're from and the, probably the era of when I was brought up had it, had it pushed out of you a bit. What, what, you had what pushed out of you? A, a desire to be um, innovative and interesting and, and uh, um, passionate about, I don't know, intellectual things and, 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 and uh, having an interest in something not of the ordinary and... Um, you know, just generally outgoing because it, you have to you have to st- step into line um, where in the in the, the the area that I'm from, really, I suppose. Mm. So it's it's difficult to step out of that. And did you find that you managed it as a kid, or were you were, were you kind of did you have that perpetually taken out? Like you said, beaten out of you. I mean, mm. it's been necessarily physically. Yeah. But when did that? I mean, was that sort of bubbling away under the surface? Did you have any outlet for it? As a kid, were you making your friends laugh? Were you being daft as a kid? Um, in 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 small bursts, but it was always kept down by teachers and parents and uh, and other kids as well. And um, uh, it 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 wasn't it wasn't a time to let yourself go like that. So you would have it in your mind that you could maybe think about that later, but. Um, not while you were at school. And really. did you have any any allies in that at school? Was there anyone else? Like I think back to like I, I didn't enjoy being at school at all, but there mm-hmm. were one or two people, one or two friends that I felt like I could have that little buzzy connection yes. with. It was like we're gonna, we're going to get out of here. Yeah, absolutely. I'm glad you said that. Actually, yeah, there was there was one or two, and you realise when um, I don't know what the equivalent is for young people now, but when I was brought up, um, the, the the Viz comic was coming through. And when when you realise when you get older when 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 you realise that the Viz comic was selling one point two million in the early nineties something like that, yeah. you, you everywhere there's an outlet for people who want to want to to see interesting stuff and hear interesting things. And then when you then we, you know years later I was on building sites and in factories and then you 
you you realise there's a there's a large minority. There's a there's a section of blue ooks who you who you get told on like that, but love Monty Python and things. And you mm-hmm. realise there there are more people out there than you'd think that like alternative human, um, you know, slightly cultish things. And yeah, I was thinking about this the other day in the way that people. And the way that men in particular, mm-hmm. sometimes men, young men or old men, whatever, you, you sort of perceive people in the street as being aggressive mm-hmm. because they're walking around with this front on the whole time because they're scared of being perceived as weak. That's right. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. But, so then you, you're in a city or wherever where everyone's walking around with that front on of like, yeah. I'm hard. And then as like a, a result... a vicious circle. Yeah, it's yeah. a vicious circle yeah, whereby yeah. no one actually... So it could be that there's loads... That's a really good point about Viz. Loads mm-hmm. and loads of people were buying that and laughing at the vibrating bum-faced goats. Absolutely. Do you know what I mean? And like, yeah. That's ludicrous and it, stuff. Yeah, and it wasn't just performing arts students. It couldn't have had that number if it was just, you know, very bohemian people. It was... It was... It was Playing old Joe Smiths and all that that were liking it. And, yeah. And um, my missus loved the Viz and she, on the surface, just looks like a... You know, and and sounds like the 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 epitome of what wouldn't like the viz, you know, mm-hmm. things like that. So so you realise that there are other people out there that would like the same things. How much of your act, and let's talk about your your early act. How long have you been going? Twenty years. Twenty three so? years altogether since I first got up. Okay. Um, How much of your act is was influenced that kind of music hall influence? How much of that is as a result? I suppose I'm asking about my own prejudice here. I'm asking about my own ideas of what, what, of how, of how your act might have been developed. But how much of it is a response to working in tough environments? Like you're very, very punchline heavy. Yeah, You've got lots and lots of short jokes, and you know what I mean. Uh-huh. I sort of feel like you're one of those acts who would kind, of, who you know the word bombproof. It's kind of oh, banging yeah. around. Do you know what I mean? You go, someone who definitely like whatever happens, however rowdy it is, this uh-huh. person's going to turn up and go bang, 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 bang. Yeah, well, that comes partly through background, but then you, you you read things and you hear things later that apparently the opera was like that two hundred years ago. You know that the opera. Like, yeah, apparently. Um, uh, I'm thinking of like. Is that uh, why it's so loud? Yeah, that they would say that they, they would have a loud bit at the bit, beginning because people would fall asleep in the opera. It sounds like a late show at the comedy store or something. Yeah, opera, right, you know, okay. like, like People would. Um, it, it's the Oi that were there. That's the right frame of people. Yeah, not it wasn't the because now it's a snooty thing. It's just it just changed hands. It's just the rich sometimes get a hold of things and run with them and then say that you're not allowed to have it. But then it it swings back and forth, doesn't it? Really, um, but it, apparently the opera was quite um, populist, I suppose, back in the old days. So you've got to you've got to run against that. So yeah, punchline heavy to keep people's attention and. It's probably a little bit, um, uh, what's the word? Um, it's a little bit of a coward's way out in a way because what you're trying to do is keep people on side, whereas some comedians I've admired a lot, like um, like Paul Foote or something, mm. for, for going on and doing what he wants to do. It doesn't matter how many people he loses. And I, I, can't, I really admire that, actually. Yeah. Um, whereas I've tried to keep people on side a bit whilst doing the more interesting things to... But then you get other comics who just want to just uh, kowtow to any audience, you know, they've got no yes. backbone whatsoever. Absolutely. Know? I remember when I when I started, I just thought the name of the game was just make them laugh. Right. Do you know what I mean? Right. However, whatever it takes, uh-huh. just make Fair them laugh. Enough. And you can end up down the line going, oh, yeah, I'm really good at making this audience mm-hmm. laugh. And then go, oh, God, actually, you take a look at yourself, I don't respect myself at all. <laughs> yeah. And it, doesn't, it only gets you so far, doesn't it? Yes. I think. 
So this is Gav. Uh, we'll get right back to him in a moment. Just a couple of uh, your emails I'd like to read out. Bit of correspondence. Now, this will uh, this will reward you for being a, a long-term listener of the show. But do you remember the Nick Doody episode sometime last year? Nick talked about the Dunning-Kruger effect. Um, and uh, Nick, as someone who is sort of very, very intelligent and a, a chess grandmaster or submaster or something like that, um, he a sub-bastard, that's unlikely to be the term. But he talked about the Dunning-Kruger effect. And uh, there was a point of clarification from a listener, Stefan, who uh, emailed in to explain uh, this, this clarification. He says, what the Dunning-Kruger effect uh, applies to is two different sorts of people. When we, we're, this is a mathematical effect. We're using it within comedy. It says, in the case of comedy, it means shit acts who think they're phenomenal and brilliant acts who feel like frauds. And he says, brackets, I'll give you a moment to think about that, seeing as the second half of that sentence describes nearly everyone who's appeared on your podcast, including you. You're very sweet, Stefan. However, this is the whole problem with the, with this, with people's self-perception. If you think to yourself, well, I don't think I'm a shit act who thinks they're phenomenal, then you think to yourself, well, I must be a brilliant act who feels like a fraud. I mean, hey, I feel like a fraud all the time. Great. That means I'm brilliant. Oh, no, that means I'm a shit act who thinks they're phenomenal. So uh, I don't know. He goes on to say, what's the trick to being a happy comedian? If you're brilliant, you'll always think you're not good enough. Well, that's, uh, you know, <laughs> let's hope we all fall into that category. He said, the healthiest thing you can do, even if you're category one, imagine that you're about average. As Sarah Pascoe says, be happy to be mediocre. Don't pressure yourself to be the best because you'll never know if you're the best. Well, I think that's a great recipe for a happy life. But is a recipe for a happy life the same thing as a recipe for an ambitious career full of success and plaudits and all the sorts of things that comedians want. I mean, you know, who amongst us can really pursue the what I think of as the sort of the Phil K path of going, no, no, it's about the art. I'm going to do this and not care about anything else. You know, who, I mean, I'm, it's early in the morning. I've had a coffee and I'm already, my, I'm starting the day going, oh, right, what is, oh, self-perception. Listen, I'm going to go to, uh, to Manchester now and I'm going to uh, interview Justin Morehouse. Can't wait to bring you that one. So uh, let's leave that where it is. Any further thoughts about Dunning-Kruger, feel free to email me, info at comedianscomedian.com. Um, and a quick email from Tom in Berlin. This is, this is lovely. I can't not mention this. Um, Tom's into the show. He's, uh, he's uh, teaching circus. He's laid up with an injury. He started getting into the show. He started writing stand up. Very excited. He is number 20, I think, of people the podcast has not created, but let's go with created, but not created. Uh, he says, side note, and you'll like this comparison. With the amount of people I know who listen to this show and then go on to perform, I think in four to five years you'll have guests coming on who started because of the show, basically like RuPaul's Drag Race has now. So well done, Stu. You're the RuPaul of stand-up. Mate, <laughs> I mean, you know, if you listen to the show, just how excited that makes me. Um, he goes on to say, I'll donate. Listen, a lot of people say this. He says at the end of his email, I'll donate when I'm not broke. That's totally cool. Uh, and that's completely taken for granted. You don't have to say that. Thank you to everybody that's donated. And thank you to everyone for being so polite and saying, oh, I'll, I'll donate when I get the chance. I'll donate when I've got a bit more money. If you can't afford to donate, you don't have to donate. If you can afford to donate, you don't have to donate. It's just for people who want to. There's no obligation whatsoever. I would hate to think that any of you felt obligated uh, by my frequent uh, solicitations um, to donate money to this show. But if you enjoy the show, if it's made a difference to your life, if, all of the, if you can tick all of those boxes and the final boxes and you can afford it, 
then please do uh, please do donate. Go to comedianscomedian.com, click on the donate button, or if you're on that newfangled Patreon, you can go to patreon.com forward slash comcompod. But please don't feel ever that you need to apologise or someone pressed a fiver into my hand and said, I'm sorry, it's not more. Don't be sorry. It's so great. I appreciate it so much. Uh, and the people who can afford it, they pay for the people who can't. And occasionally people do do that. I had a really disgustingly big donation about a month ago from someone who, <laughs> by the sound of their address, can certainly afford it so if you're one of those people the onus is on you my friend you support the show uh, in the manner that you see fit and remember if you've got no money you can you can support the show in loads of other ways you can uh, give me a five-star rating on itunes people are still doing that that's a that's a thing everyone mentions in the first 10 episodes of their podcast and then forgets about and um, you can give us a five-star rating on itunes that's great for for visibility you can share your favorite episodes you, you know grab one of the soundcloud files or a link to comedianscomedian.com and share it on your friend's facebook or email someone or even better have an actual conversation about the show with someone that you think will enjoy it these are all great ways you can support the show so don't think it will have to be money please don't ever apologize if you can't afford it ladies and gentlemen you can also finally i, I will get back to get back to gav i just wanted to very quickly mention um, you join the Facebook group. I'm finding it very, very useful to have a dedicated core of ComCom listeners on the, the Facebook page. I don't know the thing offhand, but if you're on Facebook, you can find it. The Comedians Comedian Podcast group. There's about 2,300 people on there now, and it's really good for me floating little ideas and testing things. We've got some ideas for T-shirts. We've got some merch on the way in the pipeline. Um, and I've been able to say, which of these six designs do you want? Oh, clearly that one's the front runner. So that's really useful to me. Plus, I try to reward people on the Facebook group with little advance warning of things, little pictures of, of guests and what have you, clues and stuff like that. So uh, do join that. And that'll do us for now. Thanks for listening. Let's finish off this conversation with the brilliant Gavin Webster. <laughs> What are the phases of the last 23 years? What are the kind of... Was it like... I was talking to Will Anderson recently, Australian comic, yeah. and he was talking about how he's been going 20-something years and the first 13 of them, he didn't really know what the fuck he was doing. He, didn't really, he hadn't really found his voice. You know what I mean? And that, yeah. I thought it was a brilliant admission. That was very candid. Yeah. But, like, what were the phases of your career? Was it like, you know, five years' worth of swedging to try and get... make a living from it? Or, what? you know, what, what were the kind of the corners... Uh-huh. What were the, the, the kind of the... Um, the, footnotes. The foot, no, I don't, I don't think I mean footnotes. What do I mean? The, uh, anyone? The, the bits in between the thing. Milestones. Same again? Milestones. Thank you very much. That's a good one, yeah. <laughs> the what were the milestones? What were the, what were the differences in flavour between the different things of that over such a long period of time? Well, it was quite surprising when I first got into comedy because I sort of got into it by accident, but, but then... Started doing it, and I thought like because um, I like Monty Python and things, but I, but I also thought that um, stand-up comedians, you know, people like Billy Connolly and that. And then when I went on the circuit, I thought, oh well, it'll be a lot of people doing observations. That's what it'll be. And then I realised, I think we were going through a period in the early nineties of it being a bit. It's gone back over re- re- retrogressive because it was more people doing gags, if you like. Mm-hmm. But it, but it was like in a postmodern ironic way, wasn't it? It's, it that's what it's supposed to be, um, because people were telling, were, were um, uh, framing it up as an observation because it was the first person, but turning it out to be a joke. Can um, you give us an example? Well, Frank Skinner, um, uh, obviously Harry Hill was just a surreal one-linerist, but see, Frank Skinner's a good example. And um, even even Joe Brand and um, 
even observationists like 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 Jeff Green and people like that. If you if you looked at them, the, the sort of leading lights of the team, they were really they, they were really doing punchlines. They were setups and punchlines. Yes. And I got the impression that they might have had um, good intentions before, but then they turned it into setups and punchlines because obviously in the early nineties the, the comedy clubs started to rise up in London and mainly London at first, but then obviously it came out of London and it was very um it was very joke based because you wanted to get audiences on side. Same mm-hmm. same thing is uh, is what's always been the case. Whereas now it's more it's gone a different way now because there's a generation passed since them days and a lot of young people just see comedy as, as observations, really, I think. And, and um, I think that's just a very narrow style of um, stand-up comedy. But some people see that as what it should be, just observations. Mm-hmm. And in, in a weird way, it's gone a little bit... It It's become a bit testosterone fueled weirdly, because I think a lot of people see it as young men talking. You, you okay. know, because there's a lot of young men get up and just talk, and it's a bit... Dull, I think personally. <laughs> this is something. This is something I see uh, on like uh, Facebook forums with uh, headliners who've been going twenty years right. on them. Whereby there's a kind of a there's like a conversation I see all over over and over again of people going, "Oh, I remember back in my day, you used to have to uh, used to have to have jokes. Uh-huh. You used to have to have punchlines. You know, and and the people they're sort of echoing that sentiment of just going. Nowadays, it seems like you can just talk about something that happened to your friend. Right. That's that's a big political football with it isn't it about how your mate's mad or something like that or how your nan's racist and then just do some racist material and, yeah. do that. and then uh, and then people say about how their dad's mad and, and that's a weird one because you just think well just get your dad on <laughs> it doesn't really and it's a bit sad that a young person's got to go on about how their dad's crazy and it, you, you feel that there's not an eternal rebellion anymore because their dad would be around and, you know, well, for young persons in their mid-twenties now, their dad would have become a dad in the about 1980s. So their dad was probably a young man in the early 80s and things. You think, well, that, 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 you'd like to think that people have moved on from celebrating what their dad was like. What is it about that? What is it about that it. kind of the, not specifically the dad observation, but... But specifically about younger comics, what is it that are those things that are pissing you off? What, what, what is it that's... I'm not trying to sort of entrap you. <laughs> you know <what> I mean? <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, but like, what, what is it that, that, that is annoying about that compared to what you think comedy should or could be? Well, sometimes I'm a bit annoyed with myself because what, who am I to say that comedy sh- should and could be a certain style? You know, who, who am I to say what comedy could and should be you know there's everybody in this room has got an idea of what they like but you know who who is anybody to say it and and it all should be like that you know like yeah um, I, I do i do know what you mean and i think we can we can put we'll put the rest of this conversation in brackets or you know uh, we'll, we'll put an, a footnote saying gav accepts that who is he to say yeah. but i would like to hear <laughs> i would like to hear your opinions on it because I think as someone, you're, you're placed as someone who's seen it develop over so many uh-huh. years and has got very strong feelings about it. Like, I know in your blog, mm-hmm. you're very opinionated about uh, comics, about other comics, about styles of comedy. Yeah, I did. Well, uh, and I would like to direct listeners to your blog because well, your blog I saw, is I don't do the blog so much now. And the reason why I stopped it is people got upset. A lot of people did from a lot of walks about what I said about certain tones. You know, and I, 
God's sake, you know what I mean? Like, you know, it's so refreshing to 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 read someone going, "Oh, this such and such a compare was a bit shit and ruined yeah. the room." Do you know what I mean? And you just think, no oh, one does that. Me. Everyone's so guarded. Well, now. that's what I thought would be a good thing to do. And some people really took to it. I got massive amounts of hits, but then some people got upset, and and then other people, there's a, certain comics, sort of famous ones, apparently don't speak to me for what I said. And I've checked what what it is I'd said about them, and it was really mailed. You know what I mean? It was. It was. A, I'm not going to say who it is, but I said um, I was on the television, and, and establishment comedians, so and so, so and so, and somebody else were on, and one of these establishment comedians has obviously objected to me using the word establishment comedian, and it's only a bit of fun anyway. But like, how can you get upset by that? Why do you think they were upset by it? I think because when you when you when you get a bit of fame, I presume it's the same in pop music as well. You, you're surrounded by these leeches and that are just telling you how good you are. And if anybody says anything mildly bad about you, I think they'll learn 30 years in that you've just got to take it on the chin. But they don't like it, you know what I mean? They don't like that kind of... Um, they, they, they don't like anybody scrutinising them or having a go. Or, um, or do you think it might be that in, within the bubble of London that there's, that there's a sense that you can still be kind of outrageous and carefree as a comic? And it's only actually when someone observes that from the outside... And says, no, actually, you are part of the establishment. You're not as punk rock as you think you are. Yeah, yeah, maybe. I don't know. I don't know what it is, to be honest with you. I think, um, you know, you get, you get, you get a lot of um, knocks, don't you, when, when you do Edinburgh, because you get some terrible reviews. Everybody does, you know. And then people make comments about how bad you are, and there might be other comics. There might actually be um, critics masquerading as members of the public or whatever. But you do get hit a lot, you know, and you've just got to learn to take being hit you know that's that's what you've got to do is it is it particularly frustrating to you do you think to be to be hit as you say in that way given that the way that you were the way that when you were a younger person you felt like you were having creativity beaten out of you yeah it probably reminds me of that a little bit um and it reminds me of the jealousy a bit you know you know a posh person with a pen has the same has the same issues i think is a bricklayer who doesn't like you using long words. I think that's what it is. Yeah. They may, they may be completely different class-wise, but I think they've got the same problems. And they what ju- are those problems? They just don't like somebody else being able to have some wit that they haven't got, I think. I mean, you- I'm not just talking about me here, by the way. It sounds a bit egotistical. Just anyone, <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> That's like, all right. Like, that's a, refer back to the footnote. Gav's not talking about himself. <laughs> he doesn't, doesn't consider himself worthy of a position on this, or, you know, who knows. Um, but I noticed, like, um, uh, you you banned uh, a particular uh, comedy-related website from coming I to did, see your yeah, show. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> and uh, I'm just interested in that because, like, I would always roll my eyes at any kind of review, any any review that's kind of less than a four of me. Yeah, I'd look at and go. Oh, fuck. I'd, I'd either go, fuck, this person's an idiot, they don't know what they're talking about, or I'd go, oh, God, they've seen right through all of my bullshit and they know exactly what I'm doing, you know. And I'd have some reaction like that. It would never occur to me to go, that's it, you're not coming in. And I, I really like that, I really admire it. It seems, like with the blog, it seems to have that, oh, God, there's someone who's telling it like it is. I don't know if it's because of your, your origins. I know you, you came to comedy through a sort of a, a sense of excitement that it was a bit punk rock. yeah. Do you know what I mean? That you wanted to go, this is attitude, this is me, this is who I am Absolutely, on the yeah. So... There's no career path back in them days, you know, you just... You had to do it because you loved it. Yeah, that's right. You didn't right. do it. That's right. That was, that's the difference, I think, between then and perhaps now. 
So when you when you banned a certain uh, website mm-hmm. from coming to see your shows, did you feel like oh, I might be shooting myself in the foot down the line? I think a lot of newer comics now would be very afraid to make a move like that. They would, thinking yeah. Like, oh God, what if yeah. such and such doesn't like me? You know, absolutely. No, not in the slightest. Might have thought that twenty years ago, but not now. No, 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 not, not at all. It felt really good doing that. <laughs> <laughs> it's fantastic. It was. Um, it's Chortley's talking about by the way. <laughs> <laughs> yes, nobody knew. You said on uh, on one of your blogs. Did I? You said, oh no, I'm getting quoted now, but because I've written the whole London feel like, set. Feel involves, like an MP now. <laughs> the whole London set involves constantly going to the right parties, associating with the right people, kissing ass, and sucking cock. But I wasn't playing. Next morning after doing the show, you were talking about, does Doug know? Oh, yeah, yeah. Did. Next morning after doing the show, I was on the train home or going off somewhere else to do a gig. That's right, I did, I, I did have do you Do you think that that's still the case? Is your view of how comedy works, that it's about having an influential agent or sucking You've got, to, you've got to play it. the game a bit, yeah. You do have to play the game, but... Um, but then, you know, is perhaps is Stuart Lee playing the game by not playing the game, if you know what I mean. You know that thing about Bill Hicks where they said, like, he said, if you're in advertising, kill yourself. And they said, oh, yeah, I see what you're doing. You're playing the part, you're playing the card of um, being totally against advertising. That's good advertising, Bill. You know that yeah, kind yeah, of um, sure. So almost by by not playing the game, Stuart Lee's in the game, maybe. I don't know. You, you can tie yourself up. Yeah, absolutely. He sort of positioned himself in such a way that he gets to comment on things. That's right, and yeah. that yeah, yeah. Re- results, I'm sure, in an enormous amount of tickets being sold. That's right, yeah. And then this, and this, the same time, um, the free publicity comes in from... I don't know, the, the Guardian and the, so the left field saying, oh, well, this is a bloke who's anti-comedy, so we'll get this anti-comedy person to have a column every week or whatever, and then mm. you suddenly can um, position yourself from that side, can't you? So do you think comedy is a meritocracy? To an extent, but mainly at the bottom. I think if you're good, you'll get gigs, and then if you're good, you'll get better gigs. But then toward, later on, it's more... Um, I think agents over the last 30 years have got a hold of it and they, they've turned it into something where um, uh, it's fashionable who, who, who gets on and who, who doesn't. And uh, they've, they've turned it their way. But like how Simon Cowell's done that with music. He's, he's, if you look at the history of popular music from, from, um, from, from the early 50s with them... Soul and swing and, and the, the the country style, and of course, it gets mixed into rock and roll, and 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 then and then the the the, the youth movement, the beginning of the teenager, if you like, from right through to the present day, which is what sixty years on, it's been a battle between between the same coalesces of this world to to kind of manage manage these people and 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 be at the very much. Um, the the ones who the the the, the um, movers and shakers the the ones who see and do what goes to, to the, set the agenda yeah to know. set the agenda yeah to to the ones that have their own directorial control and it's been an intriguing battle over the last sixty years but I feel these people have finally won now mm. and do you same with comedy and that's and you think that's the same with comedy yeah I think it's almost gone back full circle to what it was back in the fifties and the I don't know the the Bernard Delfont Lord Lou Grade days right through to what you've got now with that um, that the, the the big agencies of um, 
I mean, they're not all bad, the big agencies, but I think they now have, you know, they set the agenda a lot more. How are you, where, where are you in the creation of your current show? Have you got your hour or have no. you got some of it? Whereabouts are you? Let's just sort of broaden it a bit and talk more about where you are in, in terms of writing at the moment. I'm about um, a third of the way through, I suppose. Yeah. And, and is that an appropriate place for you to be for your own uh, uh, kind of happiness at this time of year? Is that about normal for this yeah, time I'd of year? Yeah, so, yeah. Okay. Yeah. And are you, how do you feel about it? Are you shitting yourself about the other two thirds or are you feeling like, I can do this? No, it'd be, it'd be all right. It, it, it's sort of... Um, it's a bit like um, uh, cooking a meal or something. You don't, it's not like it doesn't just rise up on the plate and then finish at that level. You're doing all sorts of things from different angles and there's physical stuff I want to hold up and things like that and a bit of music in it. That's not done yet, but the, the, the stand-up bit that I'm working on, the bit, the talking, is, um, <laughs> is largely done. Well, it's, you know, it's halfway to being done. And talk us through how you write from, from scratch, from like from the end of last year's show and going, right, I've got to write a new hour. All right, yeah. What does that look like? Are you typing? Are you putting pen to paper? Are you thinking about stuff in the car? What, 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 is it, what does it look like when you write? Well, you think of, I think of ideas and, um, and I, te- I tend to go to rehearsal studios and, um, and talk to the wall. Do you really? Yeah, that's what I No one about. said that before. I've tried doing that once uh-huh. and it was a disaster. Was it really? Yeah, it was horror. I couldn't get over how weird it felt. In, <laughs> it was far too yeah, big a studio. This, as well. this is weird though, isn't it? Yeah, it? yeah, this is weird. This is weird. That's their fault. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's weird getting up in front of people at a gig, really, to talk to a bunch of strangers and just start talking about what you think. I think that's weird in itself. So I, I just thought, well, what's wrong with just going into a room? Yeah, I get a microphone. I hire a microphone there and get the put put the amps on. So it's do you really? Yeah, That's yeah, fascinating. Yeah. I've not, honestly, yeah. 120 really? something shows in. No one's ever said they've done that. Have they not? No, right. that's great. That's called the Webster technique from now on. I like it. <laughs> it's always a, it's First Avenue recording uh, studios, Heaton in Newcastle. I okay, do it, and uh, I've known them for a long time, and uh, I tend to go in there do two hours. And um, with notes beforehand, or just going sometimes on and just notes, sometimes not. You sometimes just start talking, and maybe do a bit of your set and, and start talking as as though you're in Edinburgh. Or you know, I tend to do a show once a year at the in, in Newcastle at a theatre, and I'll just start talking. And there's always something comes up, and you, there'd be a note, some notes like you've got on the table there now, and then I just think of something and think, oh, that's good, and I'll write that down, and then I'll start talking again, but put that that note that I've that I've put in and had that way. Just keep talking and keep talking. And, and I think that's the most natural way to make it look conversational and good and um, uh, that it's, it seems like it's off the top of your head when it's not. I love it. I can't believe I haven't been doing that myself. Like I said, I, I tried and it just... I just did my head in. It was far too big a room. It's interesting you tried, though, I know, isn't Yeah, it? but I didn't, didn't, I didn't have it. a mic. Maybe that's the, <laughs> that's yeah, the problem. Yeah, it could be. I, I, one of my most satisfying writing experiences was years ago when I did... Um, uh, I'm glad to not remember the name of Show Me The Funny. And so did that TV show. And uh, I, I found the whole thing really s- yeah. stressful and awful. But there was one particular day when I was just in a hotel room and rather than sit and type in a cafe... I just got up and bounced around the hotel room for a couple of hours, just walking, sort of talking through it. Mm-hmm. And every time I did that, I'd add more to it. And yeah. I was like, God, of course, this is conversational. This is exactly how mm-hmm. it should work. Um, what is it that you get out of, uh, I would have sort of already said, but that um, making it conversational? Well, well, making, making it like, 
it's not necessarily conversation. It's like a prose, isn't it? It's like you you talk. It's not poetry, but it's prose, isn't it? It 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 it, it keeps moving. Yet it's not. Um, what's the word when you? What's the word when you say a question but you don't expect an answer from it? Rhetorical. Rhetorical. Thank you very much. Yeah, <laughs> Sorry, that's hilarious. You just asked that. And everyone asked it. <laughs> well, it's almost like it was a trick that one, wasn't it? I'm not listening to you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's not. It's not rhetorical, but it's. It's also not too. Um, that you're. Um, you're expecting them to come back with something. It's. It's somewhere in between that. It's you, because you would. Um, because sometimes you can talk over punchlines, which is quite good. Sometimes you just you just make your voice go quiet, or while people laugh or whatever. Because mm-hmm. you know, I, I imagine if you're rehearsing in your head, um, it's the same with all comics. You you've got the laughter in your head, haven't you? It's a bit like if you write a sitcom, you, you you're writing it and you're going, you are thinking of the of the laughter at that point. You're not you're sure. not thinking of like silence. Yeah, that, <laughs> that, that would be defeatist, isn't it? Yeah, the already yeah. bleak prospect <laughs> of imagining the gig. Yeah, yeah. Well, there's. Oh, I'd, I heard a story about a comic, and I remember him. He's a nice bloke, and um, I've heard I heard this story secondhand. Uh, I know this is a bit of an anecdote, but it's it, it, it's yeah. it's on the subject of what we're talking about. And this um, this comic had like a sort of squeaky Cockney accent, and he he, he did this. He, he was an awful act, and uh, he did this uh, thing where he um, he did, he was doing his set like that all the way through. Nothing, nothing. Silence from the room. Silence. No, no, nobody heckling. Just silence. And then he had this like really off-colour punchline somewhere along the uh, along the this, the set. And it was uh, the punchline was in. So I fucked her up the arse. <laughs> and still silence, right on that one. And then he went, "Yeah, I thought you'd like that one." Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> you sick cunt that's what he said but he's obviously rehearsed that line and uh, oh dear so that's um, maybe why you shouldn't um, do that narrative style in a, in a recording studio you've got short joke jokes you've got the sort of short joke jokes after which you'd go yeah I wrote that myself mm-hmm. do you know what I mean all that kind of stuff and uh, those those can't have just tumbled out of you in a rehearsal studio. I don't know. Well, you know, just just to make a comment, just to make an editorial comment on your set is just something that's just evolved. Like, you know. no, I mean, but the, but the jokes themselves, the joke jokes. Oh well, that's got to be a sitting down of, writing. Well, you would think you think of them in the car or something, then you go and or whatever, and then you go and write them down. You know, yeah. And you may write them down, yeah, but then but then it comes as part of the stream of consciousness after that. But it's good. It's good to to, to get them in, um, to to cement them into the set. Because if it if it leaps out too much like a joke, it looks a bit, it jars a bit, you know. Yes, you. And well, I suppose that's that kind of framing device that you use of, of going. These are just jokes. Yeah. And this is I wrote that one myself. And this is. I mean, one of your. One of, I saw a set of yours on YouTube where, like, I think the third joke is, I've run out of material. I'm going oh. <laughs> to have to improvise the rest. It's so funny. But that, that framing device of going, I'm just a bloke telling jokes, it sort of lets you slip in joke jokes. Yeah, yeah, you, it's, it's sort of tricks, isn't it? Of, of like, it's a bit like, um, I thought it was Zen stuff when uh, Ross Noble told me that 
Alan Davis. This, so this is going back a long time ago. So when Alan Davis wasn't wasn't massive, but he was on Viva Cabaret and things. Do you remember that? Yeah, yeah, I remember. And, uh, he said um, he said Alan Davis is like a genius because what he does it is quite clever. This is he, he go on. It probably isn't as amazing now with this, but at the time it was. He said he'd go on and he'd say, right, um, right, I'll start in a minute. Um, when he, of course he started. Yeah. But he's telling you that he's starting in a minute and you're almost letting him get away with making, like, banal observations about the room and what's going on because he says he's starting in a minute when yes. he actually has started. Yes. And um, I think, like, Ross did a lot of that. And, but it's, you could be... You could be a bit uncharitable and say, well, that's just a trick of... It's just like a, a, a salesperson going around the door's trick of saying, yes, it it's reminds, all right, I'm not a salesman or whatever. Yeah, it reminds me of street performers getting out stuff, like playing music, chucking out some big metal props and stuff. Uh-huh. And like, Ladies and gentlemen, showtime in five minutes. And you go, right. no, showtime now. This, yeah, is, this, is, you, this is just an uninteresting show so far. <laughs> yeah, 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 that's what I mean. That is yeah, true, because then yeah, you yeah, see yeah. someone do it and go, oh, actually, they're funny from the off. Mm-hmm. And they're going, and they're, mm-hmm. they're setting up mm-hmm. the expectation of being funny. Absolutely. And it's, 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 just a, it's just a trick. It's a show business trick that you do. It's a bit like um, asking how people are. Now, like, good evening, how are you doing? How are you doing, sir? And all that kind of stuff. And is this your wife? And it's all just tri- tricks to get people in. And I know it's, um, I know that's a bit of an obvious one, but there, there is tr- tricks and techniques. I once saw Bob Mills very early on, and he said, um, he com- commented on somebody going to the toilet, and he went, well, I'll, I'll just kill Tate and they come back. And he, he had material, <laughs> which was kind of, kind of very um, childlike, silly material. And he kept saying, well, look, I'm just killing time until he comes back. <laughs> and of course it's material, but it's, it was more light stuff than the harder yes. edge stuff before. And you go, that's, that's a great technique. That's like, um, that's how you become a comic. Not just, just telling people how your mate's funny. <laughs> <laughs> so something else I think that you're really good at is getting, is getting the laughter up in the air. And that way that you always think of someone like, like Ken Dodd, just chucks loads of little jokes at them mm-hmm. until he works out what makes them laugh and then keeps them up there. Do you know what I mean? It's like right. he's playing keepy-uppy with them. Yeah, I know what you mean. And yeah, I think yeah. you've got that, you've got such a good rhythm like that that you're really good at, because I don't know if it's because of the interjections or the little noises and the little laughs at yourself, like that music hall kind of style. Yeah. The rhythm keeps them up in the air the whole time. Do you see what I mean? Yeah, it does. it's not so good if it's not working, though. Like, I think that's why I'm not, like, um, as fireproof as what you're perhaps intimating. Okay. Some people are really good at... Some people can do silences quite well. They can, they can, because there's, that's another technique. Some people can do silences because the more narrative-style people, because they can be saying, so I'm going to tell you this story, and, and it's an excuse for, like, they're not getting any laughs because they're just sort of saying, no, this actually did happen, and... Um, in a way, it's almost an insurance policy, that one, saying, well, I know you're not laughing much, but this is... They wouldn't this, say this, that, this but is this, real, this is actually real. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Whereas um, if you were doing if you were sort of doing gags at that point, you would be, like, a bit uncomfortable at the at the silences that you're getting from the audience because mm. you're not keeping them... Uh, so do you, do you have tactics for when a gig isn't going so well? Like, can you, can you, like, what do you do? What's, what's your kind of, do you have, like, fallback material or a gear change or go into the yeah, audience? Yeah, I suppose, what do you suppose so. What's your... Yeah, but it's just bringing out material at a different time and a sort of damage limitation and just writing that one off and saying, well, I didn't do so well there. It's a bit, it's a bit of a downer, really, because you want people to really 
get into it. But it, I suppose in terms of in the real world to get booked again and to get to keep in the living out of it, you have to do a a sort of half decent job, don't you? To sure. like go, I still did all right there, even though I probably. I was probably the worst out of the three acts in the comp here, but this, but I was still all right. Whereas some people, when they're the worst act out of them, are awful, and they'll not. They'll see. We'll make yeah. sure they're not getting booked again. I, I, I scored a small personal victory last night by having a gig that went really wonky. And looking back on it, I can sort of see why there wasn't a compare, and they, there needed to be a compare. So I just kind of went on and launched straight into material. And they were a bit like, oh, we just want someone to talk to us. I realised in retrospect. Oh, right. But at least the victory for me was I came away from it and I went, well, at least I didn't do that awful thing that I fall into doing of letting them know that I'm not enjoying it. Oh, right. right. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, that's yeah. a real yeah. bugbear. Yeah. When I see other people doing it, I'm the first one to go, you shouldn't have said that. And I'm also uh-huh. the first one on stage to go, oh, you didn't like that bit, eh, guys? You know what I mean? In a way that, <laughs> yeah, yeah, a way that yeah. doesn't help at all. You're trying so, to sort of acknowledge the, the Absolutely, fact. yeah. You so know, you learn our drivers and stuff. You, 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 there's all these things you're not supposed to do, but you do, you do naturally go into those, um, yeah. you know, um, bad habits, you know, because, you know, after all these years, I still do bad habits myself. I'm not very good at struggling. I lose where I'm going and um, can't concentrate very well and and and, yeah. and make the same mistakes every time and uh, because it's not a very natural thing to be in front of strangers not doing very well you you got you got to think yeah. of something to get yourself. It's uh, that aspect of comedy that when it's going well it just feels like the easiest thing in the world. Absolutely, you yeah. Come off yeah, after yeah, a belter yeah, yeah. and you think I should probably just sit down and write my next hour right now because <laughs> apparently I'm amazing. Yeah, 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 you know what yeah. I mean? Yeah, yeah, definitely. The amount of times that I think I've finally cracked it and what an idiot, you know? Yeah. <laughs> drive back home and you think, I've got this now. I yeah. really think I've finally got this. I think I'm perhaps the best act in the country now. And then uh, yeah. and then when you go away and the, 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 the downs are so far down because I've driven back from gigs going... I'm just not very good at this. I'm just not being... I'm not relevant anymore. You know, you always, you always get that conscience when you're older. I'm not, I can't talk to people as well. And um, uh, Matt Hardy. Do you remember Matt Hardy, Australian comic? I don't think so, no. And he was sort of um, around when I first sort of started. And he, he gave me some great advice and he, and he said, um, don't get too um, uh, euphoric after you've stormed it when you're driving home. It, don't, don't do that at all. Be all just, just be cool about it because... When you die, you'll not be too bad about that. When, yeah. You know, and uh, learn that that like. And the thing about being a circuit comic when you're not famous is the the first petrol station you go to, the person behind the perspex glass doesn't give a shit who you are, do they? Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And I've just stormed it in Salford. Yeah. <laughs> and it's just gone. That's twenty pound. Do you want a receipt? Yeah. <laughs> How do you cope with the negative aspects of the of the business? Are you quite happy? I know you've got a family, you've got mm-hmm. a, a kid, kids. Yeah, yeah, I've got one daughter. Yeah, you've got a daughter. And do you, as someone who's who's like, I really want to have kids. I'm mm-hmm. getting engaged. I'm sort of planning. Come on, let's hurry up and mm-hmm. have kids. And part of me is starting to go, Oh God, this is going to be very different when I'm providing for other people. Yeah, yeah, because yeah, like, I, can I? Can you indulge yourself? Can you allow yourself to indulge? Oh Christ, I can't do this. Those kind of like the you know the long drive uh-huh. home of the soul yeah. when you've got to put food on the table. Well, it yeah, it does it does change change the way you are about it a bit. But um, you're still only human as well, and you can't you know you can't put yourself through hell just to to earn that bit extra because obviously otherwise otherwise you would you know people would stop doing that job the lake at the. Um, 
the circus and go and work in the oil rigs, wouldn't they? Because <laughs> there's a bit more I money. Don't understand that I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe there's loads of money in the circus these days. I don't know. Well, maybe maybe a job you like um, to just oh, you can earn more money doing that um, because it'll bring more money in for the family. It's not they get. That's not the be all and end all, is it? So you want you want your kid to have a happy dad, basically. Yeah, and and to be there as well. That's the other thing. I've never, I've never. Sometimes I'm going to Singapore tomorrow, but I'm only there for a week. Mm-hmm. Um, and some of the comics that have took like they've took like six weeks, sometimes two months, sometimes more than that. And they're, they're way down under and things. Oh yeah, and they've sure. got families, and you know, I'm not talking about anybody in particular here, but this this marriage is broken up and things, isn't that? Yeah, and a lot of it's just to do with not being there. Yeah. Especially with kids as well, you know, not, not seeing your kid for three or four months is a bit of a wrench. I can't imagine me. doing that. One of my one of my fears, I suppose, about the prospect of fatherhood mm-hmm. is that as soon as I've got a tiny person that loves me, that's going to kind of be more important mm-hmm. than smashing a gig in Salford. You know? <laughs> yeah, like, yeah gonna, absolutely. It's yeah. going to be more important that I do well at the gig because uh-huh. now I need money to feed the tiny person. Yeah. So it's a dilemma as well because obviously yeah. you have to, to go out and earn money for them. But... Um, uh, you can't be away all the time. It's, um, but that must be the same in every walk of life. You know, you can't. You may you may be earning more money, but if you're not going to see your children, um, I wanted to talk to you about Noel James because oh, I yeah. love Noel James, and I know in one of your uh, a blog or piece or an article you wrote, you referred to him as one of the greatest circuit comedians. Oh well, did you? Ah, oh, yeah, I did. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> this is the problem with the blog. You write stuff years ago. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> no. I just, I'm a huge fan of Noel. I he's think brilliant, he's yeah. just brilliant. Yeah, and I suppose he, because he's like a, a joke writer. Do you mean he, he's someone mm-hmm. who's always struck me as as getting it from a completely different place that I couldn't get it from? Yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah, yeah, he's a terrific comic, still is, and uh, I think a bit of an influence to a lot of people. Mm. He's, I mean, classic example of an influence. Not famous, not doesn't have a high mm-hmm. profile, known mm-hmm. by comics. And even amongst some comics, he doesn't travel a huge amount. So no, he doesn't. You that's can right. find yourself telling people who Noel James is. That's right, yeah. There's a certain generation or a certain comic that does certain clubs that don't know who he is. What is it specifically that you like about his stuff? Oh, um, the rhythm as well and the style and the, the contradicting the, other, the things that he's previously said and um, the, the jokes that... The, plethora of the jokes they're not just all play on words and they're not just all switches and pullback and reveals there's every style of joke in there you know and i don't know if a lot of you have seen him but it's it's got it's got absolutely everything in there and then the attitude behind it you know because there's something a bit hat stand about him when he's up there and he's he's doing it to entertain the crowd he's not doing it to kind of for you to get into his soul or, or talk about what he's about it's just mm. it's just 40 minutes or 20 minutes or an hour worth of just brilliant material. Mm. And it's surreal, isn't it? It's, it's bananas, isn't it? Yeah. The... Yeah. I mean, this is the nature of the podcast is such that I can't really, you know, recite a bunch of his jokes. Yeah, <laughs> it's yeah, absolutely. not really yeah, yeah, fair. Yeah. But, you know, with a not recording device on, you can sit and do Noel James jokes at each other for an you entire could, yeah, 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 absolutely. It's incredible. Yeah. So and some of it's got a polemic ledge as well. That's the other great thing. You know, somebody could be just being a bit of a clown, but they come up with a much more pertinent political point than political comics do, you know? Yeah. So which piece of your material are you most proud of? Um, I've got a few that, that I do at the minute. I like, um, um, I've got a line that goes, and I'll tell you something else that pisses off my team of writers. 
Um, that's, that's one. <laughs> and um, I suppose that's systematic of what's going on at the moment. Yeah. And another one is um, uh, about how I'm quite sophisticated. That I would say that me and the wife uh, like to listen to a lot of um, Radio 4, uh, but with the sound turned off. <laughs> um, um, so tell us, just, let's just investigate that line for a minute, if you don't yeah. mind. Where, did that, where was the idea from that? Where did that line come from? Well, the last from? one. Yeah, the, the Radio 4 one. Well, um, it, it's putting on that kind of nouveau riche working class voice, you know, of like kind of trying to see you a bit above everything. Yeah. Um, but um, uh, y- you, would, you would think people would be impressed by you would say Radio 4, wouldn't you? But, like, the ultimate thing is people would like... It's like people having... Having things but not using them, you know, like yeah, no, absolutely. I, I I understand the joke, but where does it like? Did that just come to you fully formed? Yeah, that came to me, and that came to me on the nose. But the, the great thing about it was the reason why I'm sort of explaining it, which I know you get it, is that is that like it 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 um it satisfies two things there. It's 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 a sort of switcheroo joke, but it tells you about class and snobbery. I know that sounds very pretentious, but it's... No, the, not at all, not at all. It's about nouveau-rich snobbery, you know, because obviously a lot of people would like to tell you they listen to Radio 4, but couldn't be asked to do it. Yes. You know? So it's a great switch. It's a great surprise. Yeah, because it satisfies really... the need of a joke, doesn't yes. it? Yeah, because obviously there's only the one medium and it's gone, yeah. Beautiful. Uh, any questions from the audience? Is yeah. it just as feasible to be a working comic outside of a driving distance of London? It, it is nowadays. Um, it didn't used to be, but I think it's um, it's like the Arctic Monkeys, isn't it? You can you can you can like you can do it from a provincial city nowadays. I think. When did you think you'd found your voice on stage, and what did, and what does that mean to you? I always think whenever yeah. we sort of talk about like finding your voice, I think that means uh, lots of different things to different people. Well, a, a long time, I think about ten years or something, um, uh, and I think it, you grow into it a bit, like you know, when I started. I, th- I thought I had ideas. I say I'll be deadpan, actually. And then I thought I'll be a bit camp. And then you realise that you're not them things anyway. You know, you see, or you try to be something, or you try to be a bit angry, and you go, "Well, I'm not super angry." You try, and, and it, I think if people, when they eventually find their voice, it, it it's no mystery that it ends up being pretty much what their voice is. You know, um, uh, so it. Uh, you go on a long journey and you've probably come back full circle again. Yeah, I totally, I totally agree with that. Mm-hmm. I think it's, um, it's about taking things out of your, your own way, you know, mm-hmm. rather than putting things on going, I'll be camp, I'll be like this, I'll be yeah. like this. You haven't got a choice. You know, if you want to be genuine, you, That's you right. just you have to be, be the person up, you are yeah. when you make your friends laugh. Yeah, because you aren't a character, are you? You're just an extension of yourself, really. I'll ask you a, a com-com gold question from the archives <laughs> to finish on. Um, what would be your... Uh, do you consider yourself to be an artist or an entertainer? Do you ask everybody this? Not everybody. Not Some everybody. people. <laughs> um, no, I ask everyone whether they consider Gavin Webster to be an artist or an entertainer. <laughs> <laughs> and the results aren't back yet. <laughs> um, that's, a, that's a tough one. But, and, and feel free to be pretentious. It, 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 you know what I mean? It doesn't, yeah. You can consider yourself an artist without setting yourself up for a... Attack. Yeah, I suppose you would, wouldn't you? Um, uh, well, I like. I, I think first, firstly, an entertainer, really, um, and um, yeah, it, it, if you can't really ask for much more than that, really, um, because you've got to entertain people. I think, but but you've got to entertain them in your way, so that 
goes towards slightly towards art, doesn't it? Because um, uh, otherwise, you by what we said about nearly an hour ago, you're just crowd pleasing. Yeah. So I'd say mainly an entertainer, but you've got to stick to your guns as to what you are. And just as a last thing that I'll drop in earlier on in the interview, okay. the thing that I forgot that I was going to ask you before, um, this is my favourite question to ask people. If you were to review yourself, bear in mind what we've said about reviewers <laughs> in the past, but if you were to sort of analyse yourself from an outside position, what things do you think you need to be better at? Oh, um... Like, what, what do you consider to be your strengths and your, and your weaknesses? As yeah, a I, know, I, know, I know what you're saying. Um, uh, I think if I was reviewing yourself, saying it, it's amazing how chaotically bad he can be sometimes, you know, um, on some nights, can just look a little bit um, amateurish and chaotically bad alongside the good stuff and... Uh, uh, it's weird this because when I'm I can't get my head round why we be like that, but I'm talking about me, aren't I? So, yeah. that's, that's, uh, so what? So what? Just, just just stay with that for a second. I think that's fascinating. What, where, where do you think that comes from? The the propensity to for it to dissolve into chaos. Well, it, I suppose it's 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 being like I've, I've always tried to be a good professional. I've always tried to 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 be conscientious, but I think sometimes. Sometimes that can be really lapsed and bloody awful. Sometimes because um, the nature of, uh, I suppose, a laconic style, or, or a, you know, you, you you do you do drift into that that um, area of being for a little for, for just for brief periods. You could be bloody awful, and people could be watching it and going, "Fucking hammer at this bloke!" You know, he's terrible. You know, but then they, you, but you, but you to, to counterbalance that, you can. You can rise up and be fantastic, whereas I think a lot of competent acts could never do that. So it's the risk of being awful, but you can turn it into greatness, you know. That was a great answer. Was it wasn't really. I thought, oh no, it sounds a bit um, self-indulgent. That, but no, I think that's absolutely right. It's about the, the willingness to take the risk. I think yeah. that's that's the thing we're all struggling with, whether we know it or not. Mm-hmm. And I think at least I hope at least I'm in the position where I'm aware of that. Whereas for years I, I wasn't aware of it. Mm-hmm. You know, the idea that yeah, if you want to be really good, not just like you said, competent, mm-hmm. not just consistently doing well in clubs, because mm-hmm. that's what we're all aiming for initially. Yeah, we are. You, yeah. you know, yeah, you want to be good in clubs, living, and yeah. you want to be so consistently good in clubs mm-hmm. you make a living, mm-hmm. and then you've got to work out what the fuck comes next. Mm-hmm. And I think that's. Uh, yeah. Good answer, Gav. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for coming on the show. No We've problem, got to wrap right. up. Gav's got to go off uh, to, uh, where are you tonight? Jestaville in uh, Gateshead Keys doing this. Lovely. Sure. Have a good gig. Thank Ladies you and gentlemen, much. Gavin Webster. <laughs> So that was Gav. Thank you so much to him for coming along. Thanks again, Oscar Karonka, for uh, organising that at the Empty sh- the empty Shop. What was it called? I've forgotten again. The Empty Shop on Framwell Great Bridge in Durham. Uh, thanks to everyone uh, that was involved. Thank you to Nathan for co-producing the show. Thank you to Olivia, Olivia Phipps for her constant podmin efforts. Um, and uh, thanks to you for listening. Do check on, uh, remember, on edfringe.com. You can get, uh, well, you can't get tickets because it's free, but you can get information about coming to see 
uh, all of those brilliant live shows that we've got coming up uh, in Edinburgh in the last two weeks of the festival. Um, lots and lots happening underneath Black Medicine on Nicholson Street at 10.55pm for the final two weeks. And my own show is going to be on at uh, Cannons Gate venue, which if you can correctly apostrophize Cannons Gate, then you're a better man than I. Um, but come to that at 4.55, uh, no, 5pm, 4.55pm. Uh, definitely 4.55pm. Say it with me now, 4.55pm. Uh, every day at Cannons Gate throughout the Fringe, starting on Saturday the 8th. So, um, yeah, come and see that stuff. That's, that's my solo show. I'm really excited about it. And it is fractionally less giddy and with more written stuff than these bits where I chat to you at length. Thanks very much for listening. Coming up next week, oh my God, you, there's still time. There is still time. If you get this quickly, there is still time uh, to get your tickets. There's a one or two tickets left for Adam Buxton on the 7th of July. SohoTheatre.com enter the discount code FAF to get a discount for being a listener. Um, and I will try and rush that episode out next week. Uh, if we, if not, it'll be the following week and maybe we'll have Deliso this week. There's just too much. There's too much. Shall I start doing it daily? God, God, imagine I'd melt. Speak to you soon. Get the eggs, that's right. Get in there, chuck him. Chuck him in his garden. Get him, get him. Get, get the eggs in there. Egg like an egg.